Welcome in Outsiders, the Outsider Sports Football Podcast, Tuesday, September 19th. We've wrapped up with week two of the NFL regular season. Ben Mandel and Corey Jason with me. I'm Ryan Valiant. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the show, show your support, all right? Follow us on Spotify, on Twitter, at OutsiderSports3. Show love to the show, liking it, commenting, giving us your opinions, your feedback on the YouTube channel down in the comments sections. We'd love to start some actual interaction, some discourse with you guys there instead of just the one-way conversations we're having here. But interact with us. Let's get that uh, community growing. So, yeah, week two, I'm just – I'm lost in thought here, man, because for the second week in a row, we've had a rough season-ending injury on Monday Night Football, and this one, it, it it's close to the heart. Nick Chubb, been a fan of his for a number of years. I know he's a Georgia boy for you, Ben, and he was he was my savior at running back in fantasy. And Go it, dogs. I hate to make it about – because, I mean, did you guys see – I they didn't show the replay on – but I, I, I happen to just see it on Twitter then, and it's it's not good. So no, you know when they don't show it on TV that it's bad. It's, yeah, I mean when, when everybody's talking about how you know it could have busted up an artery where he might needed to have had the leg amputated, you know, and they had to run tests on that. It's bad. Yeah, I hate to start the show off on this note, but I mean it's it was rough with the card and everything. I mean Ben and I know we started the show really up. Well, it was like our first or second show last season was. Monday night with DeMar yep. Hamlin, that Bills Bengals mm-hmm. game. So, Those are the last three Monday night games in the regular season. Yeah. There's a Chubb, Rodgers, and Hamlin. The last three regular season yeah. Monday night games. There's also, some... with with Chubb, I mean, I know everyone knows, oh, he had the ACL injury in college. Well, that ACL injury in college, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was a very rainy game against Tennessee. He landed on his knee, like, leg as he was, like, mid-jump run, like, landed on one leg, and his knee just bent the wrong way. It was very, very bad. It was a, what, so, it was a total knee reconstruction, Yeah, right? he lost – he lost – he uh, dislocated and tore every ligament in his knee. So this is not the first really bad knee injury that Nick Chubb has had. Granted, I believe that was his right knee – this is now his left knee. No, it's the same knee. It's the same. It is the same knee. It's the same one. Okay. Yeah. So it we're hoping so that at least here. You couldn't tell. Yeah, we're hoping that obviously they ruled him out for the remainder of the season pretty quick last night. So we're hoping that we'll we'll see Nick Chubb on a football field again and maybe come back Player of the Year in 2024. But the injury bug it's sunk its teeth into plenty of teams around the league, and that is my Colts are not exempt to that. I was listening to the game at work on Sunday, Anthony Richardson, two rushing touchdowns, and these weren't one-yard sneaks. These weren't Jalen Hurts' tush pushes. These were closer to Justin Fields-style runs and suffered a concussion. I I actually felt like I was on like a second-level platform and on the stairs going down, they said, blue medical tent, back to the locker room, and I sat down for a minute. I was like... As soon as we have nice things in Indianapolis, they're taken away from us. So we'll keep. Well, an and eye he on. got banged up in week one too, right? Didn't yeah. he have to come out for a bit? And these aren't even like he's putting his body. Like I mean, a concussion is just—it's circumstance, you know. It's not like he's throwing his body around too much. But this is a physical game that we're playing sometimes, and 
It's a somber cult report weekly this week. I'm sorry to say, but <laughs> let's move on to our main segment here, playing with fire. So we're going to do this a few times throughout the season and kind of see how these teams evolve, but we're going to take a look at teams that are on a hot streak and teams that are on a hot seat. So enough negativity to get started. Let's talk about the good teams that are on a hot streak. And I mean, I don't think another team has dominated the way Dallas has to open the first two weeks of the year. It came at the expense of uh, MetLife Stadium there behind Corey. The fire's out, at least. I guess it was all that rain. <laughs> but, yeah, they dominated the Giants. Then the Jets without Aaron Rodgers took care of business there. Still a really good defense. We were talking about on the pre-show. Dallas's offense, especially CeeDee Lamb, man, he was having his way with Sauce Gardner. And I mean, Dallas, a 30-10 to 10 victory over the Jets. They were humming. And you guys will see the outsiders in our power rankings this week. I have a feeling Dallas is going to be pretty high up there. But what do you guys make of Dallas? And then who's your hot streak team? So for Dallas, honestly, I don't even think I can consider them a hot streak team, in my opinion. I think Mike McCarthy is still the hottest seat in the NFL right now. What has Dallas really done? Their defense is fantastic. Nobody should take anything away from their defense. I don't think their offense is anything special. Yeah, they went against a good Jets defense. But, you know, that defense was bound to take a step back from last year. They played against a pretty poor Bills offense. We saw that, again, week two. Josh Allen has no idea what he's doing out there. So week one, you you know, you can't really look as dominance by the Jets defense. So what has Dallas really done to earn this praise? Sure, they beat the Giants 40 to nothing. Big whoop. I mean, come on. The Giants are bad. You kick them when they're down. Dallas's offense had like seven true passing sets all game. Like they just went into conservative mode against the Jets. CeeDee Lamb had a great game. Dak is still like a mediocre quarterback. He's not showing anything special. Trevon Diggs, I do want to give praise to. I'm not going to take anything away from him because I will say a lot of negative things about Trevon Diggs, but he was fantastic against Garrett Will uh yeah, against Garrett Wilson. On uh on Sunday, like Trayvon Diggs had a really really good game, and you got to give credit where it's due. But you know, Dallas started off hot, right? I think if they don't keep this pace up, you're going to start hearing rumblings real soon. You know, fire McCarthy. McCarthy's the one calling the plays. The offense falters. Fire McCarthy. I think there's a very real chance if Dallas doesn't, you know, make it to the NFC Championship game, McCarthy is gone because you have to get over that hump, and I just don't think he's capable of being that guy. Okay, Corey, I, I'll give you that, that, you know, with the expectations in Dallas, yes, they they have to keep it up. But to say that Dallas isn't on a hot streak to start the year is just not fair, right? I'm a Giants fan. I get it. I am not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. But you can't turn and use an argument, oh, they didn't play anybody, when they won very convincingly in both of these games against two teams that are expected to be playoff teams. Yeah, you could say what you want about the Giants. They are expected to be a playoff team. I don't they even went think on they're the expected. They came into the season with a lot of people expecting them to be a playoff team. They came in, the Giants, expecting to make the playoffs. You cannot say that this is not a team with playoff expectations. They the team are. is, but... Vegas has a seven and a half win. That's not an Vegas may have them at seven and a half wins, but you have everyone picking them to make the playoffs. You can't sit there in this NFC and say, oh, the Giants are not expected to be a playoff team. They are. So 
you know what? Whatever. They won convincingly on the road. You know how hard it is to win on the road, no matter what. And they went and blew the doors off. That stadium was bump was jumping. You know, there was Giants fans. Yeah, there's some Cowboys fans. There always is everywhere they go. But, you know, the, they came out and they played. And then they went up against the Jets. And Dallas's biggest question, you said it yourself, you can't knock the defense, is the offense. And they went out and did what teams haven't been able to do against the Jets. You saw he chewed up Sauce Garner, C.D. Lamb did. Well, no one's done that. That's impressive. You Stephon can't... Diggs did it last week. Stephon Diggs didn't do nearly what C.D. Lamb did. And C.D. Lamb didn't do all that on Sauce. He did that on D.J. Reed. Look, he he had quite a bit on Sauce. He did. And you know what? That Jets defense is supposed to be, you know, they're sitting there comparing themselves to the 85 Bears before the season. So don't the Jets have a really good defense. You don't sit there and hear those comparisons, even if they come from yourself, if you are not a good defense. So, you know what, Dallas, their offense showed up and they had one of their best games that they've had in a really long time against one of the best defenses in the league. The Jets are a top five defense in the NFL. You cannot question that. They are very well coached. And you know what? Yeah, no Aaron Rodgers means no offense from them. We saw exactly what we expected to see out of Zach Wilson. But the Dallas Cowboys, they are certainly on a hot streak. They may cool off, but they are hot right now. Yeah, just to close the book on the Dallas conversation, if you want to look at the Giants and Jets, fair to say they're inferior opponents. Dallas did exactly what you're supposed to do against an inferior. Like, however good the Giants and Jets might be I mean they won convincingly look at Buffalo they had a get right game against the Raiders 38 to 10 well you know when you're playing a team that's viewed as subpar to your own you want to win convincingly you don't want to kind of flip around like Arizona is maybe the worst team in the league but they're giving some teams fits right now Washington that's Dallas's week three opponent yeah so I mean could be a trap game we'll see again the point of this exercise here in in week two is just to kind of start to navigate. Usually they say by week four or five, you could start to tell who's real, who's not, who's a contender, who's a pretender. So that's why I said, we'll keep doing this throughout the season, but just to take an early look at it with two weeks under our belts, but you guys go ahead and give me your hot streak teams. So my hot streak team, I'm going with Atlanta and this is a surprise team. I think that this is definitely a team. A lot of people thought we're just going to be mid. And I think that the entire a or NFC South rather is mid. I don't think that there's a true standout team. I don't think that there is a true floor team at this point. I think that Atlanta is showing that they can compete. I think that, Arthur Smith is proving he's a good coach. And the two running backs, Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, they are having a solid start to the year. I know Algier no, didn't do too much in week two. Well, Arthur Smith choking, just continues right? to also – he does not care who he throws the ball to, who scores, who does what. They just want to win games. And that's what I'd like to see out of Atlanta. Book still out um, you know, on Desmond Ritter. Is he going to be a good NFL quarterback? Not sure yet, but so far for the Atlanta Falcons, the Desmond Ritter era is off to a good start. Yeah, for me, I'm going to stick in the same division. I'm going Tampa Bay. Who would have thought a Tom Brady-less, Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers would be 2-0? and I, I definitely didn't. But, you know, they went into Minnesota and beat the reigning uh, three seed from last year's playoffs. 
the Vikings were a really good team last year. Now they won a lot of close games, but they looked like they were really, really good. And they lost to the Bucks at home. No skull for them. Just bad, bad play. And you know, the the Bucks came out with a win and now they host Chicago. A lot of people are high on Chicago. Not me, but a lot of people. A lot of Justin Fields believers. And the Bucks go and beat the Bears. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue. They have Philly week three. But if the Buccaneers can keep playing at this level, it might be fair to say that Baker's back. What I don't know what went wrong in Cleveland, but Baker is a good quarterback. And I think he's showing it now with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Well, it's easy to forget that Baker Mayfield was fine until Stefanski just decided he wanted to trade for Deshaun Watson. I mean, and then once they traded for Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield said, that's who you want to go with. Fine. I'm never playing another down here again. And that was the end, but just no other team, the Rams, no other team just was able to have him stick. And, you know, with the Rams, he looked all right. Carolina, look who, who, look who we had as coach. Like they didn't really have much offensive help for him. So I do think that, you know, Baker, he he kind of got the short end of a stick just because his team wanted to move on at quarterback. Yeah, you guys have heard of let Russ cook, let Baker bake. We've seen <laughs> yeah, those speed. games the last two weeks. It's the giant, like, 20-layer cakes. But uh, over to the hot seat now, a team that after week one, I thought they were going to figure it out, and they kind of did in week two, but another loss and some other developments. I don't know what to make of Cincinnati so far. Laid an egg against Cleveland. They started to kind of move the ball and get something going against Baltimore, but they lose that game. And now supposedly Joe Burrow re-aggravated the calf injury he had during the preseason. So Jamar Chase hasn't looked on it. T. Higgins had a massive bounce back game. You know, just looking at the fantasy scores in, in my league, he went from a goose egg. I was fortunate enough to play the guy that had the Burrow Chase Higgins super stack in week one. So I appreciated that effort from them. But then I saw week two, he had like 28 points. So very glad I dodged that one. But yeah, this is also supposed to be sort of the last season all these guys are together. Mixon took a pay cut to stay here. You know, they might not even have Higgins, let alone Tyler Boyd still hanging around. I mean, this is a solid offensive group. I just saw they released Leo Collins, who was supposed to be this big free agent signing for Joe Burrow. So Cincinnati trending the wrong direction, you know, two weeks into the season. We'll see if Joe Burrow, if he can get himself right quick and if they can dig themselves out of a hole. But they got the Rams, who they've kind of been a surprise team as well. They knocked Seattle off week one. Look like they might have pulled off the upset against another division rival in San Francisco this week, but that'll be another Monday night game. And I think we'll just we'll hold our breaths and make sure these teams escape that game unscathed. But who do you guys have on the hot seat so far? Yeah, for me, I'm going with Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos because this is an organization that continues to push the chips in and lose. I mean, how many times can you go all in? Like, like I don't understand it. Denver gave up a first-round pick, all of this capital, to bring Sean Payton in here to fix Russell Wilson because they already invested so much into him the year before. I mean, this is not a good start to the Sean Payton era. I thought things looked better for Russell Wilson in week two, but ultimately – 
they end up losing this game uh, to a team that, you know, while they're, they're a good team, I don't think they're a great team in Washington. And I just, it's disappointing to see Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos with the talent they have on offense, not succeed and put up numbers like you expect. I mean, everyone thought when Russ came over, this was going to be Peyton Manning 2.0 and it just hasn't been. Broncos country, let's ride. Really all you can say. But uh, for me, my team on the hot seats, the Vikings, Kirko. What's going on there? I, I You have the greatest receiver, you know, at least in the league now, possibly since Randy Moss. Justin Jefferson is going to be gone, I think, soon. Two years or so, because they're going to go in full rebuild. Their defense is bad. They're old. They don't really have much going for them. Their offensive line is continuously banged up. Darisaw, Bradbury. You have a lot of things going wrong that went right last year between health and winning close games. Again, we talked about the Vikings against Tampa before. Then you go Thursday night. They give me that backdoor cover against the Eagles on Thursday last week. Only squares take the Eagles plus minus 14 alt spread, Ben. But, uh, you know, they go on to play another uh, hot seat team in the Chargers in week three. And that kind of needs to be a must win game for both of those teams because they're both 0 and 2. And, you know, once you start getting to 0 and 3, you kind of get demoralized and those losses just add up and add up. I know all of us kind of know how that feels over the last few years where you come in with a lot of optimism. You start off 0-1, 0-2. You know, there's still time to right this ship. But 0-2 turns into 0-6 and 1-7 and real quick. And I'm afraid that's the route Minnesota is going to fall. And I just can't really pinpoint the one thing going wrong because Kirk is playing well. Jefferson's playing well. Addison looks good. I think it comes down to the fact that you cut Dalvin Cook because you thought Alexander Madison was going to be this workhorse back. And Madison shows that he was just a good backup and nothing more. Now, the death threats and all the things that were being said to him after the game last week is awful and shouldn't happen. And I'm not going to even give that a butt. I'm just going to leave that there. But Dalvin Cook, you know, losing him. He did it. You find another word to put in there. <laughs> You know, I you waited five enough. seconds and then saying but is still saying but. I want the, I want no, to no, I gave enough time for the statement to breathe before I went forward with my butt. I let it I'm breathe. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't, it, I couldn't I hold it, it together. So I made sure that it was separate. I even added some, you know, some bloviation in there to keep it separate. But losing Dalvin Cook is what I think is really holding this team back because it's it hurts the locker room but no i think this actually is a situation that could help the running back situation because you know when you see guys now getting moved on from they move on from dalvin cook because you take the running back for granted you think you could just plug anyone in there and when you see that's not the case it may help running backs start to get paid and figure this thing out a bit more yeah but just injuries Sorry, Ryan, just Saquon, Eckler, all these, even Chubb you have to put in there. These top guys getting hurt kind of loses all the good faith that they have with that Madison Cook situation. It's an ongoing battle with the running backs and 
listen, if this, if the Madison, you know, his inability to kind of carry the workload here, if that gets Jim Irsay to open up the checkbook for JT, I'm here for it. Did you guys see that the NFL is suing the NFLPA? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, they, for, the NFLPA they that... is illegally advising running backs to fake injuries. I yep. wonder who that's in reference to, though. <laughs> yeah, but he's clearly not faking. That's why no one wanted to trade for him. Is that why not the at least multiple first-round picks attached to him? Well, no, because I'm sure teams realize that wasn't a real demand from Ursay. I mean, you gotta you gotta highball him when you're selling. I mean, I would have tried. I would ask for Jalen Waddle too. I mean, you can't blame him. <laughs> but I, I want to transition here because we're talking Chargers Vikings. Uh, we're gonna go a little out of order from what we had on the dock here. I want to go right to Week Three because looking ahead at this matchup, it's the Chargers Vikings. Like you said, whoever's zero and three to start the year. You, it's it's tough to climb out of that. I know the Colts did it. The Dolphins almost did it. They climbed out of like one and five. It's not impossible, but I think the Chargers are a little more likely. But Ben and I have had our disagreements about when you're hiring a head coach with their philosophies. Brandon Staley, not an offensive-minded guy. I'm not going to sit here and defend him. I'll defend, you know, D'Amico Ryans is promising. Robert Sala, I think. Mike Tomlin, those are two of the better head coaches in the league. Ryan, you don't live in the New York area, right? So you're not. Yeah. That's you. You, you done after this year. If you listen, if you listen to New York media, they want Salah out now. I I mean, is that the jets fans just demanding? That's not just, I mean, that's That's just being in New York. If you, I mean, you realize the giants, if the giants don't make the playoffs, they turn through head coaches every other year. That's true too. But you know, Salah does not have a, a very long leash. I'm a believer. Well, in believer. two years of not making the playoffs, we'll get you a not very long leash with the expectations you have, even if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. But I'll say right now with Staley, how the hell are you a defensive head coach? And the defense is what sucks. Yeah. At least all like, you said it. The offense has five. been great. The offense has been phenomenal. They lost the playoff game last year because the defense choked. Like, it's absolutely absurd. My what favorite the Chargers are going the Chargers through with Staley ever been is how the Chargers had the number one scoring offense one year and the number one scoring defense, but because they had the 32nd ranked special teams, they missed the mm-hmm. playoffs. Yep. Like yeah. nobody talks about That's that. That's the anymore. most Chargers thing ever. Like you talk about, oh, the Jets, this, you know, Colts, that, That's- Giants, this, teams with a lot of bad luck. The Chargers really should be the focus of that. Yeah. I mean, this is. I definitely see Staley getting fired. Could even be during the season, especially if they drop to 0-3. And they got Kellen Moore as their big-ticket off-season addition at offensive coordinator. You might just bump him up to head coach and see what happens with him in charge. But, I mean, this this is – this is a for week three, this is as high as the stakes get. These are two teams that figure to be right in the thick of it in the playoff race at the end of the year. And the loser here, your odds are – drastically lowered but what matchup are you guys looking forward to here week three 
I am excited for Atlanta and Detroit. I think that the Falcons have been a nice surprise. And I think in terms of Detroit, I was looking at all your power rankings. I think you guys are all a little bit too high and got a little too excited about Detroit's week one victory over Kansas City. It's one week. And we saw them come back down to earth. I don't think Seattle's a world beater, but I think that Seattle and Detroit are both on the same level right now. And that's why that game was as exciting as it was. I think that Detroit and Atlanta, we're going to see either a very good offensive slugfest and Atlanta's offense is actually going to get going or we are going to see Atlanta's offense not be able to keep up because I do think that Detroit is going to have the offense rolling. I think Jared Goff is going to have the confidence to move the ball against Atlanta and that Detroit is going to bounce back and come away with a win and get to two and one. I think we're going to leave week three calling that the Gibbs game. That's the game where they finally break out Jameer Gibbs and Ben. I, I like the way you put, it. I just don't think Atlanta is going to be able to keep up. I'm going to St. Brown. Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, just a lot of guys on that Detroit team where they're out for blood, especially how they lost against Seattle. I just don't think Atlanta's capable yet of competing with a team that angry and that hungry and that ready to break some kneecaps. I just don't think Atlanta's ready yet. They have a lot of promise, but it's going to be a wake-up call for them. For me, my game of the week is Rams-Bengals because – the sirens are sounding in Cincinnati. The Rams were not a team many people thought were going to be very good, especially when Cooper Cup went down. You have the emergence of Puka Nakua, 2-2 Atwell, Kyron Williams. They're looking to move on from that bum cam acres. A lot of things are happening now with the Rams. You got that uh, that Super Bowl rematch, too, that little storyline going. The, Ram- the Bengals, you know, they- are they going to be without Joe Burrow? How does Jamar Chase fare without Joe Burrow? Joe Mixon hasn't been this dominant running back like he has been the last few years. There's just something off in Cincinnati. And if the Bengals start 0-3, I think it's time to forget about them this season and just, you know, regroup next year. Let the Bengals get that high draft pick. Maybe take an offensive lineman because they've neglected to fix that offensive line. I remember Joe Burrow's rookie year when he tore his ACL because he was getting hit every second. They had a top five pick and they decided to go Jamar Chase instead of Penai Sewell. So they've just neglected that offensive line and it's finally coming back to bite them. Yeah, it's it's going to be, I think week two is sort of the week of upsets. I mean, it looked like Arizona was going to upset the Giants and the Giants upset their, they had to come back. I saw a lot of people picking the Texans over the Colts purely based around the fact that Houston was playing at home. So that was my so biggest money win of the year, betting on the Colts this, this week. Keep betting on them. Maybe not this week. Richardson might not play against Baltimore, but yeah, even like the Titans over the Chargers. Uh, I mean, I, I would say more people than not, I think, pick Cleveland, especially after their week one performance. Pittsburgh. That, that one maybe goes either way. Atlanta, the backdoor, I really... The backdoor push in the other game in the Panthers-Saints game What made me go crazy. I have to be honest, I, I'm not a fan of the two Monday. I was watching... Uh, oh, I hate... Especially at the same time. Come yeah. on. I was watching better. Cleveland. I, I only really saw like two plays from the Saints-Panthers game. but I saw the first quarter. Or, yeah, first quarter. One game on the TV, one game on the laptop. 
I was ready to it's go. Too- I just didn't feel like watching both at once, to be honest with you. Yeah. I knew I was playing against Nick Chubb and Najee Harris in fantasy, so that's where my attention was. I had Nick Chubb in fantasy, so I was excited. And then that- Do we know why they decided to do two Monday night games in week two and three and not the customary week one? Money, probably. Money? Well, and I think they wanted the Jets to stand alone on 9-11. That makes sense. But that you- could work too. Yeah. It's just weird because, like, you usually only have the one week of two Monday night games, and now you're doing back-to-back weeks of two Monday nights. We'll never understand uh, Roger Goodell's reasoning. But let's move the last segment we got for today. Outsiders of the week, shining the spotlight on the uh, players that aren't necessarily household names. And I'm going to get started with Alex Highsmith, the other edge rusher for Pittsburgh. Everyone knows T.J. Watt, front runner for defensive player of the year. Alex Highsmith had himself a game. Reeled in a tipped pass, took it back, pick six to start that game against Cleveland on Monday night. Another sack and a forced fumble, which Watt recovered for another touchdown. And I mean, without those guys and without Alex Highsmith playing the way he's been playing, he did great last season in TJ Watt's absence. Remember, he missed a large chunk of the season to come out like this. Alex Highsmith is someone I've been a fan of really since his combine workout. I remember watching him and being really impressed and have kept tabs on him. So Super excited to see Alex Highsmith. I don't know if Pitt, Pittsburgh doesn't win this game without uh, Highsmith and the rest of his defense. I don't know how many more games they win. I mean, when you have your entire home stadium chanting Fire Canada, referring to Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator, that's bad. Not the wildfires. <laughs> yeah, that's – they're more – they're angry at the wrong Canada, I think, but for them it's the right one. I mean, that offense is a mess, and they're very fortunate to have the defense that they do. I don't understand why. I mean, I I get it. Maybe the first year they were like, oh, Big Ben's just old. Well, the first year with Kenny Pickett wasn't great. Mitch Trubisky ruined his one chance at being a starter with Matt Canada. Like, it, it, it's upsetting. And, you know, for the Steelers, there's just so much talent that's going to waste. Najee Harris is not this bad. So it's it's very very frustrating to see you know the Steelers just not look as good as they should because I feel like good football is synonymous with Steeler football yeah it's a Steeler way it's the Tomlin way and I know we talked about it before the season but how you know the Steelers weren't going to be the best team in that division but you know last night at least showed to me that they're going to claw their way back to you know possibly being 500 and that starts week three, right? For me, my outsider of the week is Jerome Ford of Cleveland. Running back. Heard of him? Maybe. <laughs> Guy that came in when Nick Chubb went down. 16 rushes, 106 yards. Three receptions, 25 yards in the air with the receiving touchdown. Came out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't hear about him. I never heard of him before last night. Came, did his thing. And until Kareem Hunt inks, puts ink to paper, he's going to be the starting running back there in Cleveland. Yeah, and I think, you know, from what uh, they were saying, Stefanski was saying, it's going to be Ford's job, even if they do bring in a guy like Kareem Hunt and he'll just be a complimentary back like he was originally with Cleveland. Now, for my outsider of the week, I'm going with Rams standout wide receiver, Puka Nakua. Bring me my Puka shells. This guy has been absolutely unreal. He hauled in 15 catches for 147 yards in the loss on Sunday to San Francisco. 
But that puts him at 25 catches through his first two games. NFL record. Most catches through his first two games. 25, Puka Nakua. That's a pretty good outsider week, uh, if I do say so myself. Yeah, new wide receiver one for the Rams, even when Cooper Cup comes back from that nasty hamstring injury. So that's going to do it for today's show. Join us next week. Enjoy the week three games. Good luck in your fantasy leagues. I just hope I don't have to come on here and report another season-ending injury uh, following another Monday night game next week. But that's going to do it. Join us next week on the Outsider Sports Football Podcast. Thanks for listening.